Hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Thursday Thoughts. And this one's going to be a little bit different. It's actually a, a fairly personal story. Like, I know I tell personal stories sometimes, but this is this is deeply ingrained in, in my entire life, throughout my entire life since childhood. Uh, since, I mean, since I was born, really. And instead of telling you at the outset, like I normally do, kind of what the topic is, what the point and purpose is, I'd like this to just be a journey. I, I want this to be more of an exploration and a sense of discovery. So I'm just going to launch into the story. It's kind of long and winding. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I, I know you'll enjoy it if you're willing to go on the journey with me. Now, having said all that, I originally conceived this as a blog post and a YouTube video, and so this was kind of designed to have a million photos that you could see over the course of the story because I I dug out, I was digging through thousands of photos that my dad had from literally the day I was born all the way until this year, which doesn't mean you can't enjoy this audio only, but I think you'll get a lot more out of it if you go check out the blog post or the YouTube video. So those links will, of course, be in the show notes on beyondnetworkingpodcast.com or wherever you are listening to this. Having said that, the audio itself is just being taken directly from the YouTube video. So if it sounds a little bit different, then the tone that I usually have, this really intimate, warm, close to the mic thing that I usually do, uh, you're not imagining it. it. It is different because it was recorded for a video and edited for a video. Having said all that, if you're still here, I really hope you enjoy this and uh, thanks for sticking with me. And this journey starts with a quote from one of my favorite movies of all time, Across the Universe. The Jimi Hendrix-esque character at one point in the movie laments the state of the world, and he says, music is the only thing that makes sense anymore. Play it loud enough, and it keeps the demons at bay. One of my clearest, earliest memories is dancing in the living room with my father to the Beatles or the Who on his then state-of-the-art home theater system. I only need to close my eyes to conjure the beige and brown color scheme left over from the 70s the metallic silver shine of his audio amplifier, and the sleek black CD player from which the soundtrack to my childhood poured out. Music wasn't just on in the background in our house. It was an experience in and of itself, like sitting down to watch a movie or a TV show. My father would encourage me to notice different elements. He'd say, you hear that thumping over there in that speaker? Listen, right now, that's Keith Moon. He's the drummer. And that, that twanging sound you're hearing right now, that's Pete. He's the guitarist. This is a guitar. I don't remember a time without guitars. My father was a professional musician in the 70s and 80s, putting himself through his own PhD as the bass player for Long Island's premier top 40 wedding band. I'd strum along on a plastic guitar with nylon strings as early as two years old. I wasn't playing, of course, just pretending, imagining, waiting. At eight or nine years old, Dad got me my first real guitar of my own. It was a sleek, navy blue Ibanez. Holding it made me feel like a rock star, but I hardly learned a single chord. I wanted to be like Pete Townsend, but, you know, without all that pesky learning and hard work. So that guitar collected dust in Dad's music room, and that might have been the end of it. 
He never pushed or pressured me into playing. His rule was simple. I'll get you lessons, but first, you have to learn at least a couple of chords on your own. He'd given me a beginner guitar instructional VHS tape. I watched it once for a few minutes, but I never got anywhere. Maybe I was lazy, maybe I just hadn't found the motivation yet, or, or maybe, in the words of comedy legend Mitch Hedberg, I taught myself to play guitar, which was a bad decision because I didn't know how to play. I was a terrible teacher. I'd have never gone to me. And then one Sunday afternoon in eighth grade, my father invited me to the living room to watch a movie. What are we watching, Dad? It's called Eddie and the Cruisers, he said. You're gonna like it. It's one of my favorite movies. Eddie and the Cruisers is a 1980s musical mystery thriller that was a critical and commercial flop. But it developed a cult following on home release. It featured an all-original soundtrack from John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, a ridiculously named but incredibly talented young band from New Jersey who at the time was on the rise in the music industry. And I was hooked. The movie ended, and as the credits rolled, I jumped off the couch and tore out of the living room. I ran up the stairs without saying a word to Dad's music room. I found my dusty Ibanez, carried it back downstairs, handed it to my father who hadn't budged from his spot on the sofa and said, teach me. I learned my first three chords right there and formed the foundation of a lifelong bond with the instrument. Not four months later after learning my very first chord, I pulled together a band of misfits from school, drums, bass, vocals, and me on guitar. We signed up for the spring talent show and with less than four practice sessions, managed to squeak out a rendition of On the Dark Side, the hit single from Eddie and the Cruisers that not one of my 12-year-old schoolmates would have ever heard. But it didn't matter. I became a rock star overnight and quickly got to writing my own songs. Sure, I only knew three chords, but a rock guitarist with three chords can change the world. Dad surprised me with a home recording studio for my birthday that summer. And before you start imagining how wealthy we must have been, it's not what you think. It was essentially an 8 by 12 inch box that had some mic inputs, some faders, some knobs for musicians to record their own songs at home. In those days, even standard recording software like Pro Tools was prohibitively expensive, with a learning curve that required study at a proper recording institute. These consumer-grade boxes bridged the gap between the analog and digital age, and I loved it. Songs were recorded to a bizarre and incredibly expensive storage medium called zip drives. They look like slightly smaller but bulkier floppy disks. Only one song per zip drive, and God bless my father who purchased dozens if not hundreds of these things as I was churning out three or more original songs per week. I never properly thanked him for that investment. It allowed me the freedom to create endlessly without worrying that I was running out of storage space or having to erase old songs to make room for new ones. And as a result, I still have every single one of those zip drives. Not that I have any way to access them. <laughs> In high school, I formed a new band with some buddies of mine. We call ourselves Semi-Crazy, and we were very proud of how clever it was to spell crazy with an I. I started experimenting with writing albums instead of songs, first EPs, and then eventually a full-length LP. We printed on blank discs, designed cover art in Microsoft Word, and assembled full CD packages to sell to classmates at one or two dollars each. We barely recouped the cost of the blank CDs in the printer ink, getting our first taste of what it's actually like to make a living in the arts, but we had so much fun. 
Throughout high school, we'd play block parties and friends' backyard barbecues and even some official school events when, you know, they'd allowed a rock band to make a ruckus. By junior year of high school, I was my school's Eddie Van Halen. Again, not that anyone my age knew who that was besides me and my best friends who I made listen to my music collection on repeat while simultaneously disparaging the age-appropriate bands that they all enjoyed. Yellow card? Come on, guys, let's just put on Van Halen or The Who again. Give me a break. I decided then and there I wanted to pursue music professionally, and my dream school was Berklee College of Music in Boston. Berklee is the premier contemporary music conservatory in North America. If you want to study rock, pop, or hip-hop, you go to Berkeley. Famous alumni include John Mayer, Quincy Jones, Steve Vai, Melissa Etheridge, on and on and on and on. I prepared with my private guitar instructor for months. Mom drove me to Boston and waited outside the room during my 10-minute anxiety-inducing audition, after which I then waited months for the result. Finally, an envelope from Berkeley arrived in the mail. My heart pounded as I tore it open to discover I got in. Over 2,000 guitarists applied and only 100 were accepted, and I was one of the chosen few. It was one of my proudest moments, but it didn't last long. My father put the tuition cost on the table in front of me. It was $52,000 per year. Back then, today it's like $70,000. Luckily, at 17 years old, I was smart enough to realize that if you go $200,000 in debt and come out with a degree in electric rock guitar, you're screwed for life. Dreams dashed, I accepted a full scholarship at a public state school which had a music production major. But over the course of my freshman year of college, the music industry was like imploding upon itself, and I wasn't convinced that there would be a music industry to graduate into four years later. So I abandoned the music major entirely and ended up pursuing a philosophy degree instead, which anybody following my channel or my journey over the years knows all about, so I won't dwell on it here. During my years in college, I did continue to gig in various rock bands, from joining a professional group in Buffalo, New York as their second guitarist, to playing lead guitar in my own original bands in Oneonta, my college town. By senior year, however, I was hardly playing anymore. My academic life was focused on preparing for grad school and philosophy, while my nights and weekends were dedicated to building my business as a magician, which I'd somehow been getting paid to do since I was like 16 years old in all that free time I had outside of school and music. When I graduated, I put my entire focus on being a professional magician. I moved out of state and away from home and kind of lost sight of music for almost three years. It was miserable. I was miserable. And then one day I was reading an article about how the cost of home recording software and hardware had come so far down it was actually starting to give local professional recording studios a run for their money. And I thought, I wonder if Dad and I both got the same exact software and hardware if we could record together remotely. And it turns out, yes, quite easily in fact. So I started playing and writing again, mostly just to give me and Dad a way to stay connected while I was living out of state. We called our project Escher's Enigma and proceeded to release three EPs and one full-length album over the next three years. In 2015, I started to record demos for my most ambitious musical project to date. It was a full-length 80s-inspired prog rock concept album, a story in musical form. We figured it would be finished by, I don't know, late 2016. And then my TEDx talk went viral and changed my life overnight. Since mid-2015, I've been touring the world as a speaker and consultant on human connection. I spent three years writing my first book, launched a podcast, and built an entirely new business as a thought leader. I also got married, my wife got her master's, we moved a bunch of times, and bought a house. 
I tried to work on new songs for the untitled rock opera whenever I could find a few hours here and there, but for the last four years, my father has mostly just sat patiently waiting for me to finish writing and recording my parts so that he can contribute his on bass. It was honestly starting to look like this was a passion project that would just never get finished. And then came the pandemic. <laughs> Between March 12th and March 14th, I saw my entire speaking calendar of events into the next year disappear, as if they never even existed. It's hard to describe the panic and devastation that ensued, given that my wife is pregnant with our first, and I'm the primary breadwinner. But I've spoken about that here on YouTube, uh, that experience, over the past few months a whole bunch of times. I've rebuilt a new virtual speaking business, plus I'm doing coaching, consulting, online education. I am just fine, financially and otherwise, so there's no need to worry about me. Mom, that's mostly for you. I know you watch my videos, which is hysterical to me. Seriously, I'm fine. I'm fine. In all honesty, yes, everyone in the world is in the same storm right now, but there's a whole lot of people in a much worse boat than I am. Having said all that, there's an unexpected consequence of having all this free time from traveling and spending every waking second in my own house. We finished the rock opera. <laughs> the album is called When the World, and the concept, because it is a concept album, is this. Imagine deities, gods, have to attend school to learn how to build and control universes. The album explores what happens when the ego of an inexperienced deity collides with the needs of its creation. I don't know, kind of cool, right? My father and I had an absolute blast completing this project over the last few months. It's one of my very few sources of true joy in the midst of this emotionally, psychologically, and financially devastating pandemic. Of course, the other true source of joy has been spending time with my wife preparing the nursery for our baby boy, who is due this September. The album was released just this week on 7-7. We dropped a music video for the title track, When the World, alongside its release. While the album will, of course, be available for purchase on Amazon, we've also made the entire album free for streaming on SoundCloud, plus our entire back catalog is available for free on SoundCloud as well. Sure, we've made a few bucks in the past selling music, but no amount that would change anybody's life, even in a pandemic. Nearly everything in my life has become monetized as part of my business. And honestly, I'm not apologizing for that. Everyone's got to make a living, and I happen to be in the business of intellectual property or thought leadership. So, of course, I charge for my work, be it a speech, a workshop, coaching, session, or online course. But there's an increasing pressure to monetize even one's hobbies, and that's where I disagree. Writing, performing, and producing this album with my dad set my soul on fire. And in order to keep that fire burning, I need the fuel to remain pure. So if 80s inspired prog rock is your thing, you're gonna dig this album. You can check out the music video here or find the link in the description uh, for When the World, the title track. And if you're into it, enjoy the whole thing on SoundCloud on us. Now, if you're a professional musician, I'm not saying you should give away your music. Music's your job, like speaking is mine. I'm saying if music's your job, find something outside of music that sets your soul on fire. Then give it everything you've got and share it with others. The world needs more generosity, and we all need a little more joy. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Thursday Thoughts, but I really do wanna hear from you before you take off. What passions, what hobbies, what outside interests from work do you have that maybe you've been neglecting over the last few years or or maybe for a long time? Uh, in fact, this episode, of course, went out as a blog 
yesterday and I got a whole bunch of responses from email subscribers and LinkedIn followers and 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 the the like who were reminded of all of the exciting enjoyable things that they used to do that due to just life getting in the way they haven't been keeping up with and they reached out to me to say hey thank you so much for inspiring me to get back to that thing that I used to do. So I, I want to hear from you. You can go to beyondnetworkingpodcast.com and send me an email. You can send me a message on LinkedIn. Uh, all the links to all the different places you can contact me are in the show notes of this episode, wherever you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. Having said that, my name is Brian Miller. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And always remember, our world is a shared experience. Every interaction is meaningful and every person you meet even virtually, is important. And we'll see you next time.